Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI. You're listening to... Okay, here we go. We have a new episode. This is once again in Copenhagen, Denmark. And this particular episode is sponsored by Midnight Ice Cream. If you're looking for quality skateboard and skateboarding clothing lines, please check it out in Midnight Ice Cream in Seattle, Washington. And also this episode is dedicated to Illegal. Magazine is sold throughout Copenhagen by addicts who sell the magazine, take portion of the sales to uh, finance their um, addiction. And so they don't have to commit crime or uh, sell their body for prostitution to support the habit. So um, I dedicate this to Illegal Magazine, which is uh, created by Michael Olson, um, um, for sure a hero in my opinion, mm-hmm. and a great innovation in, uh, uh, in society for dealing with problems like drug addiction. So please check it out, even though it's in Danish, I hope they are able to expand their magazine to overseas. Uh, hopefully in places like San Francisco. So it's it's illegalmagazine.dk, DK stands for Denmark, and it's a spell I-L-L-E-G-A-L-M-A-G-A-S-I-N.dk. All right, today I have uh, two guests. First part is with my friend Unar. And um, Unar, I, I, I know I'm going to fuck it up your last name, Theo <laughs> Thorson. Theodore Orson. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll, the second portion, we will, I will interview your wife. And uh, we have to do this separately because, you know, low budget. And I only have two mics, so I have to do it that way. So, Unar, um, to, uh, you know, you're a, gr- a great friend of mine, but I want to introduce you to my listeners that you're, you're a stand-up comic, very funny. Also, Thank a you. professor at which university you teach at? I uh, am a professor at Zealand Institute of Business and Technology, and that's located in uh, Roskilde, Denmark, mm-hmm. just outside of Copenhagen. And I think you teach both uh, Danish and English as well. Yeah, yeah, in both languages. Yeah. And also, but early in your career, you had a huge hit as hip hop artist, and uh, we'll talk a little bit of that too. All and, right. Uh, <laughs> um, so you do you dabble a lot of things, and you do very well in a lot of things. But the one that makes me laugh is that. I know you, and, and you're such a young guy, but you're a professor and, yeah. <laughs> and a comic. So, um, so you 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 live in Denmark, but uh, you're Icelandic. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, that's right. And um, how how would you describe Iceland? You know, even for me, traveling to Scandinavia all the years, that's the only one Scandinavian country I haven't been to. I mean, it's technically Scandinavian country, right? One of the Norse. Nordic country. Yeah. Um, well, it's not a part of Scandinavia. It's mm-hmm. a part of the Nordic region. Nordic region. So, okay. so you say it's a Nordic country, 
But Scandinavia, uh, Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. That's right. That, that, that geographic region is close to each other. Yes, yes. Sometimes people, some people might include Finland in there too. Yeah, that's another Nordic country. Yeah, um, Nordic. Yeah. Okay. So there's, so there's five Nordic countries, but there's three Scandinavian countries. Yes. Okay. Well, um, you would include Greenland. Which, which is uh, a, a part of Denmark. It's a part of Denmark, but they're really independent in many ways. Uh, so it's a, it's a part of the Danish uh, kingdom, mm-hmm. but they have their own uh, everything, you know, political parties and, and, and stuff. And the same thing with the Faroe Islands. They have their own flag um, and so on. But that island is part of Denmark as well? Yes. yes. Okay. But you is, it, is it kind of like Puerto Rico to USA? I would say yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, that's really funny. <laughs> uh, I remember doing a a, a a joke about Icelandic people being uh, kind of the Puerto Ricans of of, uh, of the Nordic region. Yeah, yeah. We party a lot and and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we were watching a documentary about hooligans in football, and w- the, one of the stadium in Brazil was a host up to two hundred thousand. Yeah. And I I laugh because. Iceland barely have 300,000, maybe 320,000 right now. Yeah. So literally two-thirds of your country could fill in in one stadium. That's right. That's impressive. Uh, but that's a really large stadium, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're a big country. <laughs> so uh, but you're, you're Danish citizen? No, I'm Icelandic. Oh. Um, but there's, um, uh, you know, the Nordic countries have a really tight relationship. So... Um, Basically, I have all the rights that a Danish person has. Yes. Um, except I cannot vote. Um, uh, I can vote locally, mm-hmm. but not um, for national. The national national voting. Yeah. I see. That's the only <coughs> difference. So I kept my citizenship. So be- before we gain detail with your personal stuff, I'm, I'm kind of curious, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with like traveling and stuff. Yeah. Um, can you spend a few minutes in like Iceland and after that Denmark? Like, how would you? Describe Iceland to someone never been to that country. Reykjavik is the capital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Reykjavik is, is the capital, and um, like one of the major issues in Iceland is that um, most of the population. Uh, if you look at Iceland, it's 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 like five times bigger than Denmark, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, so it will be like a pretty big American state, right? Um, and uh, to cross Iceland, it takes about ten hours or so. So, so it's 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 fairly big. Um, the problem is there's a lot of highland, like in Scotland. So you can't really live. Um, most of the country you can't, you know, you you can't live there. So, so you have to live in the coastal area. You have to live mm-hmm. in the coastal areas. Yeah. Um, so uh, well, that makes sense because seventy percent of uh, you know uh, the economy is based on fishing. Right. Um, and, and, and until they were doing finance and crazy stuff in 2008 yes. yeah. yeah yeah or well from I would say like the early 90s and mm-hmm. up until 2008 mm-hmm. um, anyway um, so, so most of the people are moving to the Reykjavik area kind of right. emptying out all the small villages and stuff um, so, so that's a fairly big area yes with not that many people I think 125 130,000 um, but Iceland is uh, is like a jewel if you're into like nature and stuff. Sure. When you arrive in uh, at the airport, it's about forty minutes away. When you, that drive is just covered by lava, and you see those black mountains that are volcano, like sure. in the horizons, 
So many people are like, oh, this this looks like the moon or something, you know. And, oh, and a lot of people always think uh, Iceland is majestic. Yeah. Environmentally, it's beautiful and geyser is famous for that. And I think you guys have a lot of thermal energy. Yeah. And uh, I know, uh, like, uh, what, what, what do you, now, now I'm forgetting. You, it's not a hot tub, but you, uh, sauna. The geothermical mm. um, stuff that is in the ground, we use that for... Uh, for uh, like yeah, it's it's kind of like bubble baths or something. Sure. Um, but obviously, if you would jump into one of those uh, geysers, you would be boiled and die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they use the you know the heating and 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 the um, uh, the water is really good for you. So yeah. So overall, the the, the country strikes me like very environmentally uh, uh, um, uh, clever, very smart, very very savvy with the environment, but just like. Nordic countries, you know, it's pretty liberal policy when it comes to happiness, right? Like uh, they take care of their citizens and access to education, healthcare, and and uh, gender equality is very, very good. And uh, I, I would say yes and no. Um, um, Iceland has been kind of the gateway between Europe and the U.S. Mm -hmm. And since we had a, a, a army base, an American army base. They um, still have it? No, it. I think the army uh, uh, pulled out. I think maybe five years ago, three I years see. ago. But there's been very like before Second World War, Iceland was more Europe, mm -hmm. and after more American because it's only five hours away from New York City. You know, if you if you fly, um, and how many hours is from uh, Denmark to uh, th about three hours? Okay, so it's you know. So it's in between, and and um, uh, well, I would say it is more s social conscience than mm -hmm. than than uh, than the U.S., but still, it's much more capitalist, uh, you know, uh, that than the rest of the Scandinavian countries. You I, have to I, pay for doctors. You have to pay for sure. education and stuff. And I, I think you being business manager, and I, I don't know if you read the article by Michael Lewis. He mm -hmm. He's a very famous. I'm a huge uh, writer in um, um, states. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book called Blindside, which was made into a movie, and Sandra Bullock played a character and won an Oscar. Okay. Um, there was another another movie called uh, Moneyball, which yeah. Brad Pitt played, uh, baseball manager, and Michael Lewis wrote that. Michael Lewis been writing about finance and politics for the last thirty years. All right. Mm -hmm. Huge writer, and uh, there's so many other books that they're trying to convert into movies. Yeah, he wrote an article in Vanity Fair about the financial crisis. You know, when he went to Spain, when one piece about I think Greece for sure. There's one on, on uh, Germany, yeah. and uh, one on uh, Iceland. Iceland's the one. Uh, only thing that I remember was they got so money crazy mm -hmm. uh, in the two, early 2000, mid 2000, and it was quite common that some guy who spent entire life fishing next day become an investment banker and making all sorts of decisions and taking a risky financial decision yeah which had a um catastrophic uh you know impact on the country and um they did they did do something interesting they may when the crisis ahead they made impossible for the foreigners to take the money out of iceland yeah yeah and that's one of the things that pissed a lot of people off and i think maybe one of the reasons why 
foreigners are reluctant to put money in Iceland. But overall, I think it sounds like they're doing better uh, recovering because your dad told me yeah, he think yeah. they're recovering, even though maybe there's still people kind of pissed about the whole thing. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, not satisfied uh, people <coughs> that have had something to do with Iceland. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think there are some, obviously, I'm pretty biased about this. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but um, I would say that, that first of all, um, the way that the, the collapse in Iceland happened was at that uh, time, I, I, I worked uh, as a banker mm-hmm. in, uh, in investment banking. I actually worked as a risk manager at the at the time, uh, so I was really. Um, wait, 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 can, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, yeah. it's so funny for me to see you as a stand-up comic and a professor and the guy who used to work for a bank. Yeah, because I look at your music hip-hop CD, <laughs> and what's the name of the album again? Well, it's called Hashtahentin. Okay, and you look like. You look like a kid from Bronx or Brooklyn with oh, that, that right? yeah, with that look and like a, a swagger. So well, it's funny to look at that picture and think you you, you wear a suit and like make financial advices. I would say um, I would say like the a poker face yeah. is is what um, those things have in common. Yeah, because um, I've always been kind of outgoing and yeah. um, and uh, no compromises. So that's that's maybe what all these things have in common. Um, so, but anyway. so you had a, you had a poker face in hip, uh, hip hop music and poker face in banking business. Oh yeah, see, I'm, the area that I'm raised in in, in, in Copenhagen is a, is a fairly uh, when it comes to European standards a rough area, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a joke for me coming from the states. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably you're used to uh, people shooting at your yeah. uh, shows. So so, but but still, I mean, um, I think I fell in love in '85 maybe with. With with hip hop when it, mm-hmm. when I heard um, the Beastie Boys and and Run DMC and yeah. stuff like that, uh, because it had that attitude, you know. And if you're from a certain, um, uh, you know, if if you're raised in an area that's that's you know uh, a lot of street fighting and stuff like that, you you, you have to have a swagger to protect well, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, th- and that kind of stuff appeals to you, you know. And and since when I came to Denmark in '84, remember, even though I'm as white as they get since I'm from Iceland. Mm. <laughs> we don't get whiter than me. Um, I still went to a special class for foreigners and a lot of my friends are foreigners. So I, 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 I um, and my wife is, you know, a, a way different ethnicity. So, sure. so um, I've always considered myself like an international citizen, um, even though I'm Icelandic. So I had some issues when I was a kid being, you know, my parents couldn't speak the language and, and I couldn't. Uh, when you speak Danish right now, do, do, could they tell you you're not, you weren't born and raised here? Not me, but my dad. Uh-huh. He has an accent and my mother has an accent. So uh, so when, when Danish per- people find out you're Icelandic, are they surprised? Yeah, they're like, oh, we couldn't tell, you know. But yeah. I'm like, you know, we look the same. So yeah. why would you? <laughs> so going back to that banking. Right. Yeah. right. So what happened was actually... Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the reason for Iceland, well, there's a lot of factors at play, sure. but but one of the main things that kind of uh, stood out was was the fact that Gordon Brown, the Prime Minister of of England, kind of uh, used a law for terrorism to freeze uh, all money or liquidity uh, uh, in Icelandic-owned banks in England. Which makes no sense. This is during the crisis, right? Yeah, this was in 2008, Mm -hmm. which makes no sense. First of all, it's not terrorism. You know, it's super unfair. 
And second of all, it's a private bank, you know. So so there's makes no sense for a government to step in that way. Uh, so I think you got to remember when you work in in banking, everything is about trust, you know, mm-hmm. ratings, trust, and you know all that stuff. So if somebody does. I, I, I think like that, that's going to affect everything really bad. And the ratings are going to drop. That's what happened. Moody's and mm. S&P and all those um, institutions kind of downgraded everything. You know, and if that happens, people panic. And I have to say, if I remember a little bit about 2008, I don't trust those Moody's and stuff because yeah. these are the people <laughs> getting paid to review the companies that financially paying them off, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, well, the best the best example would be the Lehman Brothers crash, mm-hmm. right? Could the day before, uh, Moody's <coughs> give, gave them a triple A rating or A plus or whatever. The highest rating. The possible. highest rating, and, and the they day after, yeah. they, they filed for bankruptcy. So, you mm-hmm. could you could uh, you know question there. Uh, I I I remember in the late nineties. Um, there was a woman working for U.S. government. I apologize why I can't remember which department, but it was not a very high department. It might have been like a commodity commission or um, one of those. And she noticed there was a problem in the financial market in the States. And uh, Alan Greenspan and several other big guys who ended up working for Goldman Sachs and people like that, they mm-hmm. pretty much cornered this woman in like mid to late 90s. Mm. And say you need to keep your mouth shut and mm-hmm. just mind your own business. Yeah. Well, shortly after, there was a big financial comp- uh, company called Long Term Capital Management. Mm-hmm. They filed for bankruptcy, and yeah. um, she was warning people like that. And um, that's one thing I'm really disappointed in the system because you know you I trusted these guys, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, I can't remember what uh, Federal Reserve Chairman at the time, Green Alan Alan Span. He basically is like, well, I, I can't. He was he was sounding like really naive when he gave this answer. Yeah. Because he's a disciple, Ayn Rand, and uh, you know, um, you really have to question these guys, and they're against regulation. Yeah. But these are the people that need to be regulated. I didn't I didn't feel that way before, but from 2008, yeah, these guys are I mean really motherfuckers, man. They're just <laughs> yeah. They're I, I don't know what else to call them because just just uh, it's it's what I think is called. What I call trickle down of evil, because yeah, 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 yeah. if these people on top of the um, Wall Street f- fuck bunch of people, it'll trickle down to people losing their money, people losing their company, yeah. people getting unemployed. When people are unemployed, people you know drink and violence at yeah, home, yeah, and like, yeah. you know just yeah, it's just it's it's it really is a ho- horrible what those guys did, and very few of them got in trouble for it. Yeah, uh, made of is so blame you had to do something, but. A lot of them, when you ask them or try to corner them, basically they have a very good lawyers and say, keywords or key phrases are, that's not my recollection. Yeah. They're not, they don't want to lie. They have to speak in those kind of vague language. They'll yeah, be protected. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're fuckers, man. I, I have no problem people making billions of dollars in Silicon Valley because they actually create products and right, services. Right, right, good. right. The Wall Street, I don't trust those fuckers, man. Well, there are. Not all of them, but yeah. there, there are enough of them. The, the way the system's set up. Yeah. It's if you're a rational person, you will cheat because that's how the thing gets set up. Well, there are two things that I think you should remember. Remember, we talked about the part of the brain that kind of, you know, the gambling thing. Like it's the same part of the brain that kind of uh, reacts when you do cocaine, right? That the high that you get from gambling. I, I I don't remember what's the name of it because you know I'm not a doctor. But yeah, it's true. The top there's a part of the brain that you 
sense pleasure from sex and coke right. is the same place where people make a high risk. Uh, right, right. Like whether people that have that like ability, right? Yeah, they they they're like a uh, they get high on risky behaviors yeah, yeah. like gambling money or sky from top of the mountain. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. So but they the, got high. Yeah. The problem is that they are gambling with other people's money. You yeah. know, they get the high for free. <laughs> so it's not really gambling because yeah. uh, if they gamble huge, they they re, they reap the benefit of uh, taking a ch- risk. And if they fuck up, they make the taxpayers cover yeah. them up. So yeah. just, that, like I said, that's why they do it because they know there's no consequence yeah, for what yeah. they do. The consequence is, is extremely small, you know, mm. or the risk of getting, you know, tr- in trouble. And how many times is it when, when you see a system where a CEO fuck up, um, Dick Fold, is, was he a Lehman Brothers? I, I don't recall. Bear Stern, I think Lehman Brothers or Bear Stern, yeah. he was the head of the CEO. Um, when he got fired, he had huge severance. Yeah. I mean, it was a massive yeah, severance, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you fucked up and you lost a lot of money. Yeah. You're getting big severance, but the only satisfying thing that happened to him was day after the, his company filed for bankruptcy, yeah. he was working out at the gym of the company. Yeah, and he was working out, and one of the former employees saw him. He walked up and just knocked him out, just right. punched the guy in the face. Yeah, which usually I'm not for like. Violence physically violence but yeah. those guys they definitely deserve to get yeah. beaten yeah. i really do yeah. Yeah. i um i think those guys deserve to get beaten yeah not kill i think that might be a little over but but people who did shit like that and continue yeah. to do shit like that i have no problem get those people got physically beaten yeah severely there's a lot of in um front of front it, of their kids <laughs> yeah yeah naked there <laughs> there would i mean there's like a you know versus in denmark you know if we decided to kick somebody's ass with no reason at all mm-hmm. you know and the guy would go into a wheelchair we would get mm-hmm. six months in prison that's if, it yeah and if we would um uh you know do some financial crime here we would get 10 years in prison you know it seems to be the opposite in the U.S., right? You, if if you punch somebody, you you know you you get a severe punishment, but you could cheat somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and get away with it. I I just think many places in the world you have you know problem with that. You know, if if you look at it like sure. from a distance, it it doesn't make sense. Um, I just want to round up the thing about two thousand and eight in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Right now, things in Iceland are really good. Um, Overall, overall, you know, you went from people hanging themselves and you know mm-hmm. in two thousand eight losing everything, but Iceland did absolutely you know all the right things. They they got responding alone. to that crisis, right? Yeah. They kind of um, uh, made made a choice not to. I mean, the Icelandic state should not pay for one private company's sure. uh, mess, and then obviously some things they did have to pay. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, the International Monetary Fund, which is, uh, you know, uh, the savior, mm-hmm. uh, they took loans there and had to cut everything, like schools and sure. all that stuff. But they paid off in like two or three years, all debts. So basically, Iceland is doing good. Their credit is okay. But the problem is they still, there's not trust. So that's going to take <coughs> at least 10, 10 more years. So when I, internal domestic things... You think it'll be that quick? If they show results, mm-hmm. yes, because 
everybody wants to make money. So Icelandic people tend to be good at banking. I mean, people people often think that they just borrow money. You know, mm. what they did, they made money. They were really good at even though there were few, they would hire like the best Indian and Chinese you know, like PhDs in economics to work for them. And they made a lot Many of money. Many financial services. You're absolutely. absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so they did really well, but they just overdid it, you know. And plus, they were shit out of luck. And and there was a lot of people in Iceland that deserved to go to jail. I'm not saying that I, you know, that Iceland is not to blame because there were people that reckless. That they were reckless, and then uh, they were within the law, you know. But still, you know, no ethics. And 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 I'm I said those. Those people should get punished as well as the ones you mentioned. You know, it's it's maybe this is a bad analogy, but just imagine what happened in states uh, because I, Icelandic people they're just like any other people too. They got a little crazy because the way they were making so much money, like the yeah. Americans, but prior to the crisis, I don't blame them. If I was in the same situation, I'd probably do the same thing too. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, but just imagine um, if you're a guy. This is an analogy I will use. Let's say you, you're recklessly having sex all the time without a condom, yeah. and one day you find out you have AIDS. Yeah. But instead of having it, you somehow take that AIDS and make a bunch of other people have it, have it, and you don't you, have any more. Right. So you reap. So you have fun. Yeah. Yeah. When things are going wrong, you took that and made everybody else take it. You don't Pay have anything. It. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what they did. It it was a. I mean. It was a financial violation, and in some instance, I think it's a financial terrorism, as far as I'm concerned. I would say yes. And um, those guys are fucking lying. Those, uh, you know, I mean, I said this shit before too, but uh, that's one of the four or five things. You know, one one being like drug war, but that that business. I think there's a lot of honorable, smart, respected investors. Absolutely, that, yeah. absolutely. But those guys were gamblers. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and we talked about this. You know, when mm-hmm. we're sitting in the car, um, a lot, a lot of these problems are that the people that are regulating are the guys that are just getting out of college. You know, and and once they hit a certain level of of uh, and knowledge, mm-hmm. they get hired by these banks. You know, so so it's always they're always a step behind. Right. And and plus, like if if we produce a new plastic thing, whatever it is, we would in most countries uh, have to. Kind of prove that it's not dangerous, you right. know. It's the opposite with financial banking. You know, you 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 could you could make a product, and then they have to figure out if it's good for the you know for for banking or not. And which every makes time, no sense. Makes no sense. And every time they have um, um, new uh, tougher so-called tougher uh, wink wink tougher regulation. Yeah. These these guys are not dumb. They will make another financial product that does not fall under that. Uh, yeah, they will just restructure it. You know, that yeah. And, and, and not not and uh, not not to um, not to mention um, they don't have enough people in the uh, uh, Department of Justice, uh, SEC, uh, uh, Security Exchange Commission. They don't have enough people covering every one of them. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, a lot of these guys. And, and a lot of these women that work in the department, uh, they're probably thinking like down the road, they want to work for private sector. So they don't want to be like too draconian, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So they don't want to kill their, you know, or destroy their options of uh, getting a yeah. better job. Yeah, yeah. So to me, I, I just think, I know they arrest just enough, but um, it's kind of like a um, terror drug organization. 
you, you capture enough mid-level guys, but you never get the guys on top, you know, and it's true when finance deal. You could say that even though there are like, it's not like they're, you know, people are not trying to mm -hmm. kind of stop this. I know that, you know, in, in Europe and actually people in outside the U.S. tend to blame the U.S. because U.S. set standards, you know, it's yeah. the biggest country in the Western world and, sure. and, and, uh, or the most influential and, and. But actually, the U.S. Was, were first movers when it came to kind of making new rules. So even though I think it's hard to stop once you open something, and if you have like 50% Republic, mm -hmm. Republicans, mm -hmm. they're going to you know, say, well, that's all right. We're never going back to that. So if you open up for yeah. dealing with derivatives that way, you're never going to, you know, that's irreversible. Yeah. But um, now, um, when you're dealing with der derivatives like swaps and you know these kind of products you have to go through a clearing house and that like deutsche bank which is one of the biggest banks in europe yeah they lost and, and germany is the, the financial engine of the whole europe yes it is definitely that's why they're always mad at those brown countries like italy spain and greece yeah. filing for bankruptcy or threatened to file for bankruptcy or trying to get a euro and all this stuff they're they're, they're very resentful because they have to always try to cover them, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the, the Germans are kind of, they're very careful. Yes. And... Um, well, we know why. World War II. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, they're always been very disciplined. Yeah. And very um, conservative. And very conservative. And um, I think, well... And they had a huge high uh, security and financial regulations, just like Canada. Canada, they have similar problems like we did. Their banks were not allowed to do the shit that. Oh, we is that were. right? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, anyway, um, mm -hmm. I know that um, there's uh, a, a law that um, demands that all the der derivatives are um, dealt with a, a middleman, mm -hmm. which is called a clearinghouse. So, for instance, my example with uh, with Deutsche Bank and Lehman Brothers, there was, you know. Uh, Deutsche Bank already paid a billion dollars to Lehman Brothers and were waiting for some bonds. Mm -hmm. And it's like two days of, you know, expedition. Sure. But uh, Lehman Brothers cracked in, in, in these two days. So basically Deutsche Bank lost a billion dollars. So this is never going to happen since now we have the clearinghouses, you know, if everybody does what they... And, and, and they're forced to. So the clearinghouse would keep the money and yeah. keep the bonds. So if one party cracks, they will just pay back the other bank, you know, whatever yes. they've, they've put into the clearinghouse. So, so I think I'm not that, you know, I'm pretty optimistic, but, you know, greed is something you can't kill. It's always going to be no. there. I mean, um, Adam Smith, the father of capitalism. Yeah, I know that name. <laughs> but when, when he was around... Uh, people like David Hume, who was another philosopher at uh, Edinburgh, they call Adam Smith not as economist, but like a moral philosopher, you know. Yeah. And uh, he, I think he was a little. Scottish people tend to be very financially res uh, responsible people and work hard, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, Adam Smith basically so people are tend to be self-interested and selfish. So he was trying to make the best out of that that scenario because he mm -hmm. didn't think you could change human nature. So when you have two parties, they have 
two different interests. Yeah. And if they just happen, you know, invisible hands or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the market will take care of it. So it's like this person's trying to sell his stereo. This person wants to buy stereo. They mm-hmm. negotiate and they mm-hmm. get best price. Both parties are happy. Yeah. In theory, and that's the problem, isn't it? It's just theory. Invisible hands help. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm gonna stop talking about financial stuff, but to me. They didn't have invisible hand back then. It was like an invisible fisting. I mean, yeah. people are getting fisted <laughs> yeah. left and right. Yeah. And, the, you know, I, I, when you see the increased amount of homeless people and the, there, was so, there was a very high percentage of the kids are homeless. And mm-hmm. like to think companies and factories closed down because these motherfuckers, mm-hmm. irresponsible, yeah. shame, shameful. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not... I'm not religious at all, but if 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 there is God, I don't care if there's God. I just want to make sure there's hell because yeah. these guys. I just want. I don't care about heaven. I just want hell yeah. because <laughs> because what they did it is it's atrocious yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like Matt Damon, I agree with him. I, yeah. I'm disappointed with President Obama. He didn't do shit in my opinion. Well, the problem is he hired the same people, you know, in those positions. Yes. you know. So what's going to change? You know, it's not people think that. One person is. By the way, Una is talking about the very people who were part of the problem during the crisis. Right. They right. work for him. It's kind of like these Nazi scientists working World War Two. They fled the country. Now they're working for U.S. government. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes no sense to me. You know. Yeah. And that's what made them. You know. What was the name of the the documentary? Matt Damon kind of. Uh, I yeah. was trying to figure out because one of the two people made the movie went to Evergreen State College like me graduated oh, same year. Right? <laughs> it's 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 pretty good in many ways. It's it's, it's incredible, and that thing have a um, behind the scene commentary, and yeah. I uh, will figure out while we're talking. But um, no, it's it's a fantastic film. It makes me angry, and there was a scene in the movie, and I, I once again I talked about this before, where. The, the documentarian talked with two professor at mm-hmm. MIT or Harvard, and basically they're bought by the board from different financial yeah. companies. Yeah, yeah. And basically, when they go to congressional meeting for new laws, they say these financial instruments are good for co- economy. Yeah, not mentioning the fact that, or quite often they don't mention the fact that they're getting paid yeah. by the very yeah. people offering these services. Yeah. and these professors are basically saying these are good. I just think. Yeah. That's a lack of transparency, and I think that they're biased. You're getting paid from these people, so you're not going to say anything horrible. So people trust Alan Greenspan, the former Federal Reserve mm-hmm. Chairman, and they yeah. trust these professors. Yeah. But everybody's bought. Yeah. Well, you have that in in different industries, like the medical industry as mm-hmm. well. But but it, that doesn't make it better, you know. So um, yeah, I agree. And the last thing I will say is um, um, shout out to my friend Everett Stern. Um, he's a very young guy working in financial services. There was a huge article earlier, 2013, around March or April. He uh, l- went to FBI and I think CIA, the HSBC, Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corps. Mm-hmm. They were doing financial services for uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, and various terrorist groups in the Middle East, uh, Asian gangs, uh, Mexican drug lords. And uh, HSBC had a department supposed to monitor uh, unethical practices, mm-hmm. but they only had those office just for uh, a marketing purpose. But <laughs> he report his bosses about this. We we're helping terrorists finance their business. They didn't do anything. So he reported them. There was a big Rolling Stone article. Mm. Nothing has happened. Like I think maybe they paid like a couple billion dollars, yeah. but that's nothing to these guys. Yeah, 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 they yeah. continue on. And um, Everest Stern, 
he's trying to find, he does this uh, uh, public speaking to fight against the institution that allowed these business practice. Mm. Nothing, nothing happened to them. And then so he sacrificed his career. career if he would have kept his mouth shut, he would have made money in the business. Yeah. The conscience got out to him. And um, yeah. yeah, so Everest Stern, if you're interested, look him up in the Rolling Stone magazine. I, I, I haven't met him yet, but we've been tweeting and emailing back and forth. I respect, I have a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, fucking money rules, man. It's just like, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit sad, but you know. You can always agree on one thing, and that is that money is good, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how you intend to spend it. So. And, and the only reason I could say this is because I've never been in that situation. So I, I'm not saying I'm above that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I'm making millions of dollars, it'll be hard for me to say anything. But I will never know because I'm not in that position. But, <laughs> well, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> but, but, the, but financial market, it's, I, I, I have a lot of skepticism. I really do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you, you would um, speak up. Um, uh, let's change. Let's uh, talk a couple more things before you know we we talk to you. Um. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to make light of this. It's a serious. But recently in Iceland, uh, well, first of all, the police crime in po- police right in Iceland it made me laugh because not all police have guns in Iceland. There's only special group of people within the police that allowed to hold. Guns, yeah, and like the called, squads. Yeah, and they're called <laughs> Viking squads. Yeah. Yes, and um, I thought it was a joke, but you confirmed it. It's absolutely. Not That's what they called. Yeah. So um, I found out that Iceland have a very low crime, uh, yeah, but very high gun ownership. It's there the the, the uh, not about ninety thousand gun owners in a country of little over three hundred thousand people, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> there was an incident recently. Uh, sometime early, sometime this year, that uh, uh, police were called to this apartment, and there was a guy with a shotgun, mm. and I don't know what triggered it. Maybe he was drunk. I have I don't remember. Well, oh, he had <clears throat> mental problems. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he starts shooting at the cops. Yeah. And the police, because they need to protect themselves, reluctantly shot the guy and killed him. Yeah. And to me, I witnessed this guy's mental illness, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. starts shooting. Police have every right to uh, um, respond and, 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 and fight back. And they ended up killing this guy. And this is something that you hardly ever hear in the States. The cops are really devastated. They apologize to the mm. victim. I don't want to get a victim, um, the criminal's uh, family. And mm. uh, that was the first time the police officer actually shot someone, killed somebody yeah, in Iceland. Yeah, yeah, uh, That's shock to me. Yeah, first time ever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I, Iceland is, is a great place. It It is a bit like, you know, we are uh, yeah, originally Vikings. So, um, like, if you go if you go downtown in the weekends, there's a lot of violence and stuff. But, but, not, but, but when you say violence, just physical. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we do, have, we do have, like, these one-percenter biker clubs, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you guys know. Uh, we have the Outlaws and sure. the Hells Angels and stuff. But, but... Um, I, there, there's, you know, we fist fights. That's it, you know. Uh, but um, it's 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 a nice place to visit, and 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 you know, and and there's a lot of culture there. Yeah. A lot of like, uh, you know, y- you know Björk, and yes. and you know Oliver Eliasson. Yeah. You know the the artists, and you know there's a lot of art and a lot of designers and stuff. You know. And the, the, and the, the, uh, let's not forget, most important of all, the last killer 
in Dexter series was Icelandic. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The the guy that played um, what, what was the name of the Saxon, right? Yes. All of us. His name is uh, Tare Ingolson. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I really say, yeah I, I say that. Yeah, I want I, I want to hear how uh, Americans, how Americans say, say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, I, I I would strongly you know um, encourage people to go to Iceland you know but but it's true the, this guy was killed and 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 this is not something you see every day um, the the society is just different you somebody know? even said that it's like a national mourning like they were shocked that this yeah. could happen yeah. in uh, Iceland well you know in, in Iceland it might be called tragedy but in in the United States we just call that Tuesday yeah, I know. you know <laughs> you only kill one today you yeah. know so I um I was shocked how. It, that, that's a really in, Iceland is very interesting with such a high gun owner. It's not quite fifty percent, but ninety out of three hundred twenty thousand. That's pretty fucking high. That's that's high. But you got to remember, I if you look at those guns, mm-hmm. I I would imagine like five percent of those guns are handguns. I mean, re- the rest are you know uh, farmers that kind of have to defend themselves from polar bears or whatever sure. you know, or hunters. So, so these are not Glocks and uh, you know <laughs> Magnums or whatever. So, yeah, there's a difference. Oh, absolutely. And uh, but overall, I mean, other than that, you you really don't um, have other major. I mean, crime is not a really issue, is it? No, no. It's it's a great place to live. Um, it's a bit rough because of the weather and uh, you know nature. Uh, you know, you have earthquakes every year and uh, and stuff. But but you know. Icelandic people are, are are used to it, you know. The the I think that the houses in Iceland are are better built than ev- anywhere in the world. They actually have like metal within mm-hmm. the concrete, yeah. so they can uh, resist earthquakes and stuff. Um, it's just different. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's almost like a hybrid country. It's like it's kind of it is Nordic, but there's some North American thing going in there. There's a lot of connections between yeah. North America and and um and the whole. Like concept, if you compare it to Denmark, the mindset in Denmark is you cannot do this. You know, look at the limitations. Obviously, in Iceland, that's not a factor. You yeah. know, we go all in with, for instance, with the financial part. You only see possibilities, and that's more American than than European, I would say. By the way, I, I just found out um, that that documentary we we're talking about yeah. is Inside Job. Right, Inside Job. Yeah, uh, twenty ten. Excellent. It was nominated for an Oscar, and I think they won Oscar, if I remember right. I think so, yeah. I would agree with 85% of, mm. of what's in that movie because it's, it is really, really good, but um, it's a bit black and white in some terms um, because those uh, derivatives can be used very constructively as well uh, and can secure your investments. And I, I have to say, I, I, I'm old enough to remember like Michael Malcolm got in trouble for uh, financial crime in the 80s. But Michael Malkin also made uh, those junk bonds. Mm-hmm. But some one one of the reasons why we have such a great telecommunication companies out there because he made those junk bonds available. Yeah. It's a high risk, but because high risk, you got a huge return, and they were able to raise money for telecommunication things like that. So yeah, and compared to what he did versus what people did in two thousand eight, it's not even comparable. You know. But yeah, well, I, I understand we need these financial services. I'm just saying. If you're going to put yourself, uh, reward yourself with a high reward, mm-hmm. then there should be balance to that. Yes, there should I be agree. regulation. I agree. I agree. So, I agree. Um, to, yeah. to every time we're trying to raise 
regulation to call people communist or socialist. That's that's a cheap shot. And I, I'm glad yeah. Elizabeth Warren, a senator from um, Boston, I believe, she she's she's um, very savvy about finance, and she she's she knows a lot about regulation. And uh, and I have to say, uh, a lot of the whistleblowers tend to be women, and because. I'm not saying women are not capable of being greedy, but they're not as greedy as these guys in the financial service, you know? And, they're different. Uh, Their um, they, goal they is different. They tend to be a little bit more conservative too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and I think, uh, once again, I'm, maybe I'm sexist, but b maybe because they have kids and give uh, children to this world, maybe they're more concerned about others more than these fuckers that... Mm, maybe, such a, yeah, such a maybe. massive of risk... I mean, it seems for me, uh, my experience with uh, with women in the financial sector, mm -hmm. there are a lot of really, really, really smart women. They tend to seek towards maybe HR, you know, chief of HR mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe more analyzing stuff instead of being the one that's doing the trading and, sure. you know, the gambling part. Yeah. So um, they tend to seek towards maybe less... Uh, you know, uh, aggressive, cowboy-like, yes. uh, you know, positions. Uh, I have one or two more things to say, but before I do that, let's uh, remind everyone: you, you, you stand up. I'm looking forward to the day you, you and your family move to stay for maybe a year to teach English. Yeah, that would uh, be great. That would be great. Yeah. Any listeners who has um, uh, maybe information opportunity in states for Unar uh, teaching, and his wife is a Professor Chu teaching opportunity in a state college and state universities, uh, contact me or Una, he'll give us his contact information. But just any opportunities. Personally, I prefer that you go to Southern California because I think it has combination of the weather. It'll be interesting for your kids, exposed to different uh, ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're inter also interested in show business and your wife is very savvy about fashion too. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, if you just happen to know there's some opening where Una could share his expertise in teaching, Contact me or Unar, and uh, and not to mention he knows a lot about music too. And, yeah. <laughs> and amazingly enough, you speak a lot of languages, but your wife speak like crazy amount of languages. Even more, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, um, and uh, what what's your, what's your plan for the next five ten years besides teaching in uh, USA? Hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully. Um, well, um, I've I've took some time off from uh, doing comedy. Mm -hmm. um, I think the last tour I was on was with you actually mm -hmm. um, a year ago or yeah. more than a year ago. Um, uh, and it's been great, even though I miss I miss you know uh, yeah. the hecklers and and the bad beer and all that. Yeah. But but um, uh, it's been a really rough time because I um, I I quit uh, doing banking and I start uh, teaching. Would you physically elf a little bit? Yeah, I've, I'm still like I'm ninety percent good now. I uh, hit I was hit with with uh, with stress, which made me dizzy. That was really awful, you know. Mm -hmm. The you know uh, the first three weeks, I think I, I I was just laying down, and it felt like I had to throw up all the time because yeah. of uh, the dizziness. Yeah. Um. And I I went to uh, you know a, a strict like one and a half years of 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 getting back. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm at a really good place now, and uh, I could tell the difference from a year ago. Yeah. 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 And now I'm I'm really glad that I'm doing. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm teaching now. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of work, but it's different, you know. And and um, what's what's easier, teaching in English or in Danish? Um, or is it the same to you? 
Well, the main difference is the mentality, I would say, with from the students. Because when I teach in English, it's international students. Mm-hmm. We have students from Nepal, China, Eastern Europe, uh, I uh, see. France, uh, whatever. Yeah. And, and so p- people with different point of views. They yeah. do have different point of views, and it's super interesting. You would love it, you know, to hear why, you know, you, you get you get a lot of answers from those people. You know, why, why is it that, you know, people from China... Uh, look at stuff this way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because uh, you know uh, Chinese society is in that way, for instance, and and I I love doing that. So uh, hopefully next summer I'm 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 doing Harvard Summer School. Uh, that's the plan. Just uh, a few courses, uh, um, and and then I think in 2015, early 2015, you know, uh, start my PhD mm-hmm. and do a lot of stand-up comedy. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's uh, that that's pretty much much it. I think. Oh, two things that we'll, we'll end this. Uh, one, when you see the difference with your Chinese, did you, did you watch the Breaking Bad? Yeah. Okay, you're a fan of that. Yeah. It, it was really interesting the, the 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 fan reaction to Breaking Bad in China versus USA. Is that right? In China, everyone, just about everyone, the Walter Wife's bitch was a fucking bitch. <laughs> I mean, fucking bitch. Yeah. Because to them, in in Chinese culture, yeah. family comes first. Even if it means screwing other people over. Yeah, yeah. So they feel like he was doing it for the family. Yeah. Granted, he was doing it for family, but there was other personal issues that he was dealing with. And Which he, was, he admitted. It, at, at finally admitted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But most to most Asian people, that, yeah. is, that is a very satisfactory answer. And like they can't believe like this fucking bitch. <laughs> I agree with him. <laughs> he, he's dying <laughs> because... No matter how horrible he was to the very end, there was yeah. no semblance of like a personal glory. You know, like a guy who had a lot of money would cheat on his wife with a bunch of women. He didn't. He never did that. Mm. You know, um, it, 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 it was always about the family, you know, even yeah. though he finally admit. But to Chinese, they thought Walter White is a great provider and a father. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Most Westerners. In, in America, with the whole Christianity things, that it doesn't matter if you, even if you're doing good things. If you're doing something horrible, you can't justify it. Yeah. And some people don't agree with that. Some people say Lance Armstrong is a scumbag, mm-hmm. which I think is a scumbag <laughs> for the way he treat his colleagues. And when they accuse him of something, he ended up using his considerable amount of money to sue those people and bankrupt yeah, yeah, those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. But there's other people say he raised billions of dollars for cancer. You know, right, right, yeah. That's a tough one. If I had a family member with cancer, maybe I have a different thought. But well, you got to remember the world is is not black and white. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's one gray area. Mm-hmm. You know, and speaking of uh, Breaking Bad, a uh, big shout out to uh, Bill Burr. I had the pleasure of working with him when he was in, in Copenhagen. And uh, I know I'm airing this way late, but uh, this December 13th, this coming Friday, um, today's Tuesday, so uh, he'll be performing Stockholm. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Probably see him. Yeah, Bill's on fire. And, oh, uh, He's a great absolutely. guy, nice dude, and a passionate, passionate sports fan from Boston. Right. And uh, he's a gentleman and a uh, cool guy. But absolutely, absolutely. Don't you dare heckle him, though. Holy <laughs> shit. Everybody in Philadelphia learned that lesson. Oh, <laughs> 12,000 yeah. people screaming at him. Um, I'm going to ask you one thing, but before I finish, yeah. uh, what's your Twitter account? It's Theodorson. T-H-E-O-D-O-R-S-S-O-N. And uh, do you have a Facebook account or anything? Um, I used to. I actually closed my Facebook. Okay. Um, I, I have one with Walter White as the picture. Okay. Uh, well, um, I only use it because I figured out it's 15 years since I went to university. 
the students use Facebook, you know, f- uh, for communication. Oh, they sure. prefer me to write stuff on Facebook. So I have a Facebook uh, uh, thing, but it's only for work. Okay. But Twitter, yeah, absolutely. Theodorson. Um, Unar, U-N-N-A-R. Yes. And how do you spell that again, last name? Theodorson, like in Theodore. Yeah, T- say it slow. Say it slow. T-H-E-O-D-O-R. S S O N. All right, son of a Theodore, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> cool. Uh, the last question was: um, you told me a very uh, amusing story, and um, I think I think I was talking about Anthony Bourdain to you, and he was here. He's a food critic, wrote a book called Kitchen Confidential, uh, right? Twelve, thirteen years ago, bestseller. He used to have a show called No Reservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got uh, parts unknown on CNN, and I think season two, episode one or two. He was visiting Denmark and uh, that famous restaurant, Nome or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's called Noma. Noma. Nor- it's called Nordic Mel, you know, mm-hmm. a short for that. Mm-hmm. Nordic food. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was for, year, for years, uh, well, several times, lines, um, it was ranked like a number one restaurant in the whole world. And getting a reservation was very difficult. Yes. And... There's a, there's a conference called MAD. I don't even know what it stands for, but a lot of the famous chef, Michelin star chefs show up and they have a conference each year. Yeah. Anyway, one of your friends want to go to this restaurant and reservations very long. Finally got a reservation for and uh, saved tons of money. Yeah. So was it she? Well, yeah. Um, the thing is, I, I got to send a shout out to uh, to my, my childhood friend, <laughs> Helena Selbert. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a friend of her sister's, actually. That, okay. that um, she's a stewardess and she lives in, in, in Iceland. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's you know when you're a stewardess and I think she's a single parent, you don't have that much money. And, and she um, uh, she's a big gourmet food fan. So she kind of, you know, uh, uh, prepared this... Uh, uh, restaurant visit for a year or something, you know, because it's super expensive and it's super hard to get a table. Right, and, and a lot of uh, famous people go there. It's Absolutely. like me going to Super Bowl. Right, you know? right, yeah. And and it's strange because, you know, every, everybody that goes there, I mean, in Europe, we don't run up to people and try to get their autographs and picture the same way as you would do in the US what would be normal. Yeah. So people are more reserved and more, you know, and, and especially the people that can afford to go to a restaurant like Noma. Yeah. Uh, and um anyway, she um so she made a, she finally got a reservation. She finally got a reservation and and had to fly the 3 hours from Iceland to go to Copenhagen. Yeah. And went to this restaurant, and then when they're by, eat- by her by herself or with with a, with a friend. Okay, so yeah. two of them. Okay, two of them are sitting and eating, and you get about I think twenty courses mm-hmm. um, when you when you eat there. Of course, it's three hundred dollars plus wine and everything, so so it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's sitting there, and then she looks over, and 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 she's she's almost certain that that uh, Bono, the lead singer of U two, is sitting mm-hmm. at another table. And this That's funny that you have to say you too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's she, understood. Bono. Okay, got it. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, there are not that many bonos. <laughs> well, uh, and 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 she's about forty years old, so she's not gonna like you know uh, scream like, scream a, teenage like girl. a teenager. And but she's and, been following in that band for a long time. Right. She's mm-hmm. like a fan for twenty five years. Yes. Or so so what? At a, at a at a point in time, uh, Bono uh, has to go to the bathroom, and he's sitting with another friend. 
So when he leaves, she she just can't help herself. So she stands up and goes over and, and says to the friend, uh, I'm sorry, I just got to ask, you know, is that Bono Cause from you two? <laughs> yeah. Because, because I, 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 you know, I've, I'm from Iceland, you know, a small country of 300,000. And, you know, I, I can't believe, you know, I've been a fan for 25 years. And, mm-hmm. and the guy is really friendly and he says, yeah, yeah, that's Bono, you know. And she was like, all right, I, I'll go back to my seat because I don't want to bother him, you know, when you're eating and stuff. And she goes back and finishes mm-hmm. her meal. and, and, and Very Bo- polite. Very polite, you know. And, and, and Bono and his friend uh, finish their meal and, and they finish first. Um, so they leave first. And did, did, they, did they wave or anything? Or uh? Well, yeah, I, I, uh, he just nodded. You know, when, when Bono came back from the bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, the friend just whispered something mm-hmm. and the guy just, you know, like waved, you know, very discre- discreetly. Uh, so Bono did that to her? To her, right, yeah. right. Just, just so that, that's, a, that's a big treat right there. It is, yeah. absolutely, you know, and, and thanks for not making a scene and all, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and uh, well, and then the girls are leaving after, you know, you got, this is like five, five hour dinner, you know, mm-hmm. when you go to a restaurant like this. So, um, so they want, they, they call the waiter over and, and say, well, we want to, you know, Our check. can we get the check? And, and, and he says, well, uh, you don't owe anything because uh, Bono and Bruce Springsteen paid for your bill. <laughs> 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 How so could funny. you not recognize it was Bruce Springsteen? I know, I know. That kills me. That's so what? funny. Was she, was she like stunned or? Well, I, yeah, they were like, wow. And, and the waiter was, he was like, didn't you even recognize him? Yeah. Like making fun of her. And then she was like, no, but now I do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a great story. And yeah. what, a, what a classy thing to do, you know, because yeah. places like that. I mean, I'm sure to them it's nothing. Yeah. But it, it means a lot. For, for those people ladies. like people like us, yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, to somebody to save years money to go and get a reservation because I heard reservation very difficult. But yeah, yeah. I, you know what a classy act, you know. It's yeah, really nice. I mean, you never hear anything bad about those two. No, have you? No, no. I'm just nope. like never, never, never hear about them. Just uh, two guys with a great reputation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, that's so sweet of them to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, if they did rap music, that would be perfect. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're not. Thanks for doing, and I'm running out of time. I want to uh, definitely do a quick uh, thing with you, uh, uh, interview with your wife, and I'll put her portion after yours. All right. And make like uh, uh, you know the whole family thing. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll be concluding the part one, and uh, hopefully uh, soon we'll do part two. Thanks for listening, and uh, um, welcome to the part two in a minute or so. Okay, we're we're back. Part two. I'm here with Unana's wife. And a partner, uh, Monica and Theo Dorson. How do you say it right? Please say it correctly. Theo Dorson, oh I guess. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so off. Thank you, Monica, for doing this. I'm um, I'm very fascinated. And there's a couple of things uh, we have connection because we have a mutual friend that was kind of shocking to me. Um, yeah. But um, first of all, you're married to Unar, but you're uh, ethnically Hazaras. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you explain to uh, especially people in North America, what, what, how would you describe Hazaras uh, as ethnic groups? It's a really big minority in Afghanistan. Um, it was the second largest minority, actually. No, not minority, but the, li- uh, the second largest group um, in Afghanistan before Taliban. Um, there were 
very stigmatized and have been for many, many years. So, um, so now there are not a lot of them. They fled to Pakistan? A lot of people fled, a lot w- was killed. I see. Yeah. Because most of Taliban are Pashtun. Yeah. And all come from uh, all over the world, actually. I see. Yeah. And I, I think some people might be confused what it looks like, but you know, basically, when I was in Afghanistan, people thought I was Hazaras mm. because more, a- I guess, classically Asian, like um, I don't know, China, Japan, Korea. I mean, you, you have to kind of look. There's a distinct little difference, but I could, I, I'm, 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 I'm safe to say. People thought it was Hazaras or Chinese. And yeah, uh, yeah. Because there's a, a the dominating theory is that Hazaras came from Mongolia mm-hmm. um, in the year about year 1200 when um, Genghis Khan came and uh, tried to conquer a lot of the world. Then he also came through Afghanistan, and that's why there are a lot of people who look like Hazaras or uh, Hazaras obviously in uh, Afghanistan, but also they spread to Turkey, to Kyrgyzstan, to Kazakhstan, and mm-hmm. yeah, all the stands. Yes, because I, um, I, w- I, w- I, w- I was stunned by some of the Hazaras who look like myself, but sometimes their eye colors were way different than what you expect from uh, Korea, Japan, and China. Only time you ever see stuff like that in that part of the world is if we're re- wearing color contact lenses, yeah. but I've seen Hazaras with like a green eye and blue eye sometimes, you know, so um, it's yeah. very exotic. Um, so I didn't know before Taliban, Hazaras was like a second biggest group in Afghanistan. Yeah. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Were really big um, all along, even though they were uh, stigmatized mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and were considered uh, second rank of people sure yeah and am i stereotyping but hazaras always struck me like very kind yeah I, they don't seem that warlike aggressive no i think some of them are but i i think you're kind of right because now in uh, pakistan there are a lot of trouble and they're not fighting back yes. so i guess it's just their their way or something mm-hmm. do, you, do you think they need to change to protect themselves I guess they have to, but I don't. I'm a pacifist, so mm-hmm. I. It's not like I would just choose to roll over and let them kill me, but, but I would rather try to flee or something. I see. I don't. I don't think that fighting back is the answer, but I guess they don't have much choice. Choice, because uh, another thing I noticed with Hazaras in Afghanistan was if you see a picture of a group of men, and if you see, if you happen to see a woman in those pictures, they are Hazaras. Because other ethnic groups will not let a woman in in, in a room for men at yeah. all, and I think Hazaras mostly Shiite. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, um, and that's also one of the main reasons they are um, stigmatized like that because they're first of all they <coughs> don't look like the other groups, and secondly they have another religious background. Right. Yeah. And I always get confused. The major difference between Sunni and Shiite is that when Mo- Prophet Muhammad died. That they were trying to figure out who's going to be the next leader following Muhammad. One group says she'll be blood descendant, and other groups believe that uh, she'll be tribal election or something like that. That's the way I kind of remember that two major difference. But really, you're basically worshiping Allah, so I don't, I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. But 
that's the thing. Like people always have to find reason to not to be part of that group. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah, and it just keeps on um, kind of branching like that because there are a lot of small groups that most people don't even know about. There mm -hmm. are that that act that came from uh, from Islam. Yes, but are not recognized as Islamic, like the Baha'is or Ismailites, mm -hmm. Alawis, also. Yeah, it's um, and and what little I know in Central Asia is um, under Soviet rules, religion was forbidden, yeah. so a lot of people didn't know a lot about Islam, and there was a huge vacuum. And I'm always surprised how low of literacy rates are in Afghanistan. So. There is isn't power of people who use religion to misinform or misinterpret something, and this is a big confusion because um, I know as American, we, my government have problems with Iranians, but I think most Iranians are well read. I think yeah. most of the citizens uh, knows there's bullshit by the government and mullahs. You know, um, it's a very complicated. I, I I do I have to say I haven't been to Pakistan. I want to go, but uh, I've had wonderful experience, which is kind of weird thing to say when. Uh, all you hear in CNN is war and things like that. But people were wonderful. I didn't have problem with Pashtun and uh, Tajik and Uzbek and uh, of course Hazaras, you know. Mm. Uh, but um, so you're 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 the, you're born and raised in Denmark. Yeah. But your parents from Afghanistan fled. Uh, I mean, obviously they fled way before Taliban as well. Yeah, my dad actually came from <coughs> Afghanistan as a child, mm -hmm. and then he moved to Pakistan. But my mom was born and raised in Pakistan, but in Balochistan. Okay. which is the area that's um, by the border to Afghanistan. And uh, I think that's also is part of Swat Valley or, or nearby, but that's a really, um, I don't want to say controversial, but it's a very uh, volatile area because um, people that U.S. government don't like go back and forth between the borders. And um, it's... Um, We've done plenty of the horrible stuff in Afghanistan, and quite often intention was good, but incompetence. And Americans, I love Americans, I'm American, but I wish we would spend more time understanding yeah. different groups of people before we make decisions to invade. And uh, uh, I've been there twice, and I'm still, I probably know like 2% what's going on. It's so complicated, you know? Yeah. Every time I think I figure out something in Pakistan and Afghanistan and all those different stands countries, no, it's really complicated. It's like you saw The Wire, right? Yeah. The TV show. Like there's so many different groups, so many different ethnic groups, and like you're trying to figure out for a whole five seasons what's going on. Well, that Central Asia is like The Wire on steroids, you know. Yeah. It really is so <laughs> complicated. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, your family uh, made a decision to move because it, it was because you saw opportunity or things were going kind of bad for your family. Well, um, my dad came to Denmark first, and um, he, um, during his young uh, years, he uh, lived in Pakistan and Kuwait and Saudi Arabia, and oh wow, he lived in a lot of countries and traveled a lot. He was selling um, uh, what, what's it called uh, rocks, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, hand knitted rocks, sure, and. Um, but then suddenly uh, in Germany, they needed some people to come and work for them. This is like in the early 70s? It's in the 60s. 60s. Yeah. So he went there to Munich for two years. And then it was Denmark who needed some, some workers. So, so he came to Denmark and then he became a citizen quite 
Danish citizen quite quickly and mm. and uh, later on he needed a wife mm-hmm. so he he went back and to Pakistan because a lot of his friends were uh, born in um, in Pakistan sure so they, he went to this area and knew that there was a place he could find a wife shop a wife <laughs> really you must talk to you about your dad. Did he ever tell you, or did you ever ask him how he was treated in those different Middle Eastern countries and, and, and Central Asian countries? How, how, how did they treat him? Do you know? Um, no, I don't actually know. I, I know about Pakistan. Mm-hmm. He was not very happy about it, and he actually didn't like to talk a lot about his past. I, I think it was very hurtful because he left Afghanistan so, uh, so early. Mm-hmm. He was uh, an orphan, and... Um, his father was killed, um, and uh, his mother just died when he was about three years old or so. so oh, he, yeah. So he was an orphan with, but with his uh, siblings. He did have have uh, grown up siblings, but then he just left suddenly uh, after an argument. I guess also in in that time it was the forties, uh, early fifties that you were very grown up early. Yeah. So. He just made some decisions and left. And I know that he was kind of a house slave in Pakistan. Oh. Yeah, a rich family took him in and he had a place to stay. Sure. But he had to do everything for right. for them. And, and he was very young. I, I, I go on because this is a common story among people who don't talk about their background because, you you know, if you had a hot, happy childhood, you shared that with everyone. Yeah. But if they don't talk, you know, yeah, you can only imagine uh, it was bad. Mm-hmm. But... I have to say, uh, he's a pretty, I don't know your dad, but that's pretty amazing for him to be orphaned, to bring and grow up, uh, raise a family in Denmark, you know, because imagine if you grew up in Pakistan in that circumstance, you know, like your life and especially your two beautiful daughters' lives are going to be so different from his, you know. Like, I don't think your kids could imagine living like that, you know. No. Uh, Whenever your daughters complain, it it sounds silly, right? Like compared to what Joe's dad had to go through, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does he talk about how he was treated in Europe, in Western Europe? Or d- is that something that m- you know more about? Yeah, I know more about that because I <clears> remembered he he died 12 years ago. So. Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't even know. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah, even know no that. No problem. Um, he, um, yeah, he he died. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it was in my early 20s. So I remember a lot, uh, but uh, still I wasn't old enough to get a lot of the stories out of him. Sure. And I can tell that my mom didn't get that many stories out of him either. either. Yeah. So, um, but I I remember him um, being very upset at times mm-hmm. uh, at his work because he, um, yeah, he was, because he just was different. Yeah. Yeah. And they treated him different. Yeah. 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 But, um, but he also got along great with with a lot of people. I remember that there were some people at a company he worked for for ten years <coughs> or so. They called him little brother, and treated him very well. And there were actually also some Danes that I consider uh, to be my grandparents because I never had mm-hmm. maternal grandparents. But they took him in and called him his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you still talk to them or? Um, they're they're dead, ah. unfortunately, f- and and have been for many many years. But mm. I I remember the the lady the the her husband died uh, before I was born. But the lady she was um, 
yeah she was very warm and i can still um feel very emotional when i think about how she took my dad in without yeah. even knowing him yeah because i think that i would be kind of scared to take um a person in that had such a difficult life yes because when you don't really know them then you don't know what kind of yeah um uh, maybe they have some trauma or yeah. something that that you don't know about and they can be maybe dangerous because yeah. it's not someone you know that well so uh, but yeah. it sounds like your dad really appreciate these two two people a yeah lot. yeah yeah a lot and you you remember that lady yeah oh. i do um uh, we have a lot of pictures from uh, christmas mm -hmm. early on um and yeah obviously muslims don't celebrate christmas that much yeah but, um but she introduced us to it and um probably even invited you guys to dinner and stuff yeah, yeah. exactly and um and I also remember when, uh, because when I was born, she had already lost her husband. Then she sometimes came to our place for Christmas. Oh, okay. So she would Did she have kids? Yeah, she had oh. one kid, uh, but I guess they weren't that close. Yeah. So. That's a, but it's the same story. Like, yeah. um, my friend Tom, he's Thai. He was uh, adopted by these white parents. And um, it was very sad because the, his. Uh, adopted mother and father and, uh, and uh, adopted parents just biological son the mom and the son eventually uh, killed themselves but Tom was telling me like he was never really close with the brother and not so much with the mom but like that he was really close with the dad I guess but um, he was telling me that um, it was very strange when even the dad wasn't really close with his biological son you know yeah. Yeah, it's just you just never know why some people are closer when they're blood related and they're not. Yeah. And when people are not even related to each other, they're closer. So, but um, I'm I'm sorry. I, I just assume your dad was still alive because you're so you're so young. You know, I just figure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm glad he has somebody like that. You know, we mm -hmm. we all need that break where we have to look for kindness. Yeah. We we do hope we could find it in the family if we can. Second best thing is to find somebody else. And the third horrible situation, you just don't find it at all. But I'm glad your dad did, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad you, you had a chance to meet her. Um, so what, what, was it, what was it like growing as Hazaras in Denmark? Because you're completely fluent Danish. You think like a Danish person, even though you're an international person and you could interact with the people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Um, and looking the way you do, you're obviously you're not a blue-eyed, blonde-haired Dane. So, for overall, was it good experience, or was it like there's times that were difficult? Yeah, I would say mostly I am kind of lucky that I don't look tip typically Muslim. I think. Yeah. Um, it's which is a sad thing to say, but um, but people. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because you look like me. Yeah, my people. I mean, the people who like we're not known to be like radical religious. What you know? Yeah. In fact, in, in, I think stereotype is like they see us like most likely we don't speak Danish. Most likely we just work and minding our business and on. So they don't they don't seem to have problem with people like that. Yeah. So that's why I I think I I haven't experienced a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. I have tried it though, um, but it's mostly kids. Uh, when I was a kid, 
uh, that teased me or it was um or it's drunk people mm. um that has been really mean but otherwise it has been um it hasn't been on purpose mm-hmm. people just treat me like a tourist as i told you the other sure. day they um they just assume that i don't belong here yeah. um but 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 let's be clear um it's it's not coming from a malicious place they're just surprised no, not at right? all. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're just they're surprised. just surprised like i bet they say this things like this to you in danish like wow your danish is really good and you're thinking like well it's my first language <laughs> growing up in Danish. but yeah yeah exactly and that's never gonna end let's be honest yeah uh, <clears throat> yeah so so that's i guess um i overall feel um good about being here um mm-hmm. and i know it it, it will it won't be any different if I moved uh, anywhere else. And if I went to Afghanistan, they, they could tell by my language that I that I'm not from there, mm-hmm. and they can tell by my body language even because and I the way you think and the way you behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's not a bad thing, I guess. Uh, it's just uh, a different experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really. Uh, it's for selfish reason it'll be good to have you guys live in the states but i'm curious your experience in the states because i think it'll be uh, it's i'm sure it's a little different for unar but um the one who's going to be really comfortable your kids i don't think your kids will know there's any difference really because america's multi-ethnic multicultural especially if you move to la you know Mm. um and, uh, and and even if you had any problems growing up let's be frank it's not going to be anything like Ethnic, ethnic stripes in Pakistan, Afghanistan. No, you know, not at all. They might do discrimination stuff or give, say mean things to you, but I mean, that shit is really serious in that part of the world. Yeah, know? yeah. The things I experienced are, are minimal. Yeah. So um, you're a good student. I, I, don't, God, I don't even know how many, seven, eight, nine languages do you speak. You're um, comfortable in all sorts of different environments. You have a high degree. And um, you have two wonderful daughters. What, are, what, if you don't mind saying, what, are, what are their names? Chloe and Clemence. Uh, yeah. Um, and you were telling me stories about them. They sound very. Which, which one is the feisty one? Uh, that's the little one, Clemence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's quite aggressive. And uh, she doesn't want anybody to come to her room. No. Yeah. 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 If you just the, the sister, uh, her sister farted in her room once, yeah. and now she's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's going to be a lawyer. That's yeah. my that's my prediction. <laughs> and you guys go uh, Hawaii. I mean, not Hawaii. Uh, Miami every uh, December. Yeah. So those kids are already like cosmopolitan. They're comfortable in another country and talking English. Yeah. 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 They are, and they take it for granted also. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, what 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 a amazing time for kids like that. You know, people who are comfortable in so many different environments. You know, and yeah. uh, I know those kids would be high tech savvy too. Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I like picking your brain because, you know, uh, what, what, you have a blog for fashion, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. You have a name right now, but you might think about changing, but as of now, what's it called? It's called Cuckook Me, and Cuckook means kind of hello, or it's like being cuckoo, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And in this blog... You, you, um, what, what do you mean? I mean, obviously it's fashion, but, um, what do you mainly talk about? Like a new trend or you do criticize people's work and what do you, what do you, what do you mostly talk about? Um, I actually never (coughs) criticize Mm -hmm. because I, I think it will be, um, 
nicer for everyone if um, if we stay polite um, about each other's work sure and instead uh, only write about stuff that we like mm-hmm. so um, and I think that's basically what the Danish bloggers are doing they're they're only writing about things they like or things they really love and um, so that's my approach also because otherwise there will be so many negative vibes sure yeah so um, but what, why, why fashion? Why are you? I mean, um, well, why are you so fa- passionate about it? Well, I just have always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was. It's. It just came really naturally to me because I just like things that are nice to look at. Sure. Yeah, and um, and it's not. I write primarily about fashion, but it can also be home decor, or it can be an amazing person, or. Um, I like to find the um, aesthetics. Yeah, the aesthetics yeah. and the the things that stick out a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So that's when I write about a fashionable person, they will often be not weird, but mm-hmm. they will have something else. And maybe I think some of the personalities I pick, some people will think that they are a little avant-garde, or maybe um, what's it called? forgot the word but mm-hmm. um, yeah a little different sure yeah because I know you study com- uh, religion and comparative religion in uh, and minorities mm-hmm. so I guess it's I just always uh, in, in all my work life I, I look for minorities mm-hmm. and uh, think they're especially um, exciting to 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 write about and to yeah. to see what they're behaving about uh, how they're behaving because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm curious. I remember reading an article. Uh, it was a pure accident. I think in Hungary or Czech Republic, some um, cosmetic company, some cookie um, scientist was kind of messing with the chemicals. For some reason, they this guy. I think he passed away recently, but this is kind of within a year or two. He was messing around. And he made this. Uh, I believe it's some kind of nail polish where. Um, it, under law in Quran, it, it, it did not make the uh, mullahs angry that uh, it was compatible to Islamic religion. And it was a pure coincidence, you know. And um, I don't know why, what was the problem. Maybe there were certain chemicals that, that, that they were using for uh, uh, nail polish before, but this thing did not violate any, any, any uh, law in Quran. And, you know, um, I, I guess my question is. Is there like a lot of rules by uh, Islamic teachers that uh, regarding fashion? I know you have to cover yourself up, yeah. but is there certain? Is there also a rule about what kind of stuff you should cover yourself as a woman? In a it really depends on who you're asking. Ah. that's the main thing with all uh, all the religions. I think that, um, for example, I interviewed some some uh, young girls once, and. Often when they had questions, they went to the local uh, mullah, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe two of them ask uh, two different mullahs, and they would come with different answers. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so um, actually, one of them really wanted to go to the opera with mm-hmm. the school, and she asked her mullah, and he said, "No, uh, you're not allowed to listen to music," and um, she went anyway. 
Mm-hmm. So, but sh- it's not like she was a bad person, right. not in my eyes. Um, but it was it was for school, and she kind of had to go. And and I guess she really thought, and ah, uh, I asked, but I really didn't like the answers. I'm I'm doing what I feel like. Or I mean, she could technically ask another. Keep asking all the different yeah. mula until one say okay. Yeah. Well, isn't that what kids do? Like, if the dad said no, they're gonna turn yeah. and ask the mom. <laughs> yeah. If the mom said no, you talk to the dad. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I I'm kind of curious about the Islamic law and fashion, you know, because um, I know it sounds really gay, but I love Sex in the City. I even mm-hmm. like the the movies, even the last one. But there was a scene where <laughs> they're in. Uh, in Dubai, not, right? Dubai yeah. or Abu Dhabi or one yeah, of those places. Yeah. And uh, all these rich women were wearing fancy clothes under that burqa and the clothes underneath it, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I, th- I think it's good because it doesn't matter no matter where you live in the world, women are very um, conscious of what, what they wear, how their hair is stacked and uh, makeup and things like that. It's, mm. in re- it's really interesting. It's just in, in the Middle East, in uh, Central Asia, Islamic countries, you just have to make some adjustments, you know. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more curious about it. Maybe that's something that you want to cover because, you know, as soon as I figure out how to record shit on Skype, I, I would like to keep asking because I, I, we spend like three, four hours talking. And mm-hmm. Monica, you, you, you have a good answer every time I ask about why women wear certain uh, clothes and hairstyle or which designers. I would mention designer. You give me a reason why you like or you, you might not like it or. Another thing you were also doing that's interesting, which what kind of clothes really goes with uh, Denmark? Yeah. You know, would you say that's a similar in all Scandinavian countries, or is it different from Denmark to Sweden? It's it's different, but it's mm-hmm. but when you look at the whole world, it's mm-hmm. very similar. Similar. Yeah. But um, you, as a Danian, live in Denmark. You you know this the slight difference. Yeah. But me looking, it's hard for me to tell the difference. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's very uh, well. I, I guess the clothes have to match with the weather as well. Yeah. It is cold, so you can't wear miniskirt all the time. Mm. Um, it will even change from from region to region in Denmark, I think. Oh, is that right? So, yeah. I guess uh, obviously Copenhagen is a bigger city, more cosmopolitan here. Yeah. Well, what's it like in uh, like a Jutland or Jutland, northern part of Denmark? What's that like? Yeah, I guess they don't have all the brands available <coughs> mm-hmm. to them as as we do here in Copenhagen. So, um, so it is kind of different. They have to shop in the two or three great stores they have. Yes. <laughs> um, and otherwise, they have to go to the high street stores that everyone has, like H and M. Sure. Um, so they will have to do with what they have. I see. And that's the difference, I think, because if it's not like they n- never come to Copenhagen or other countries, but I guess you're pretty inspired by who mm-hmm. you live with um, and what you see in, on a daily basis. Um, I'm spacing out. I had a question for you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's not your fault. Um, so, okay, well, okay, this kind of silly questions. We just, you know, we're running out of time, but a couple of questions like, if if there's like a three stores, three brands that you could go and 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 grab as much stuff as you can, which which of the three fashion places you know like whether it's Versace or whatnot, which three places, you know, if you go off on an hour and grab as many things you can in handful, which three stores or brand you want to go and get? I think I would go to Balenciaga because they have so nice accessories. I love their shoes and their bags, and it's 
uh, very Scandinavian actually. Mm. It's a lot of it is black and. Who is that person anyway? Is, is is that person like Spanish or? I guess it's French. French, I'm not okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Um, so you like their accessories and shoes, not yeah. not not actual clothes, but you like their handbags, shoes. Yeah, and I, I love their clothes mm -hmm. as well, but their strength uh, is the yeah. accessories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and then I would probably say Alexander Wang because it's also kind of Scandinavian. It's very basic. Very Asian and very gay. Yeah. Also, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, really? Uh, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I really like just keeping it simple, keeping um, stick with cotton and, mm -hmm. and um, textiles that work for mm -hmm. the body um, and fit nicely and not... Um, I don't like it to be too slim all over the body. Mm -hmm. It's nice with only the legs or only the top or something. and. Not all over, like for example, Tom Ford. He's it's too sexy all the time. Mm -hmm. But I guess we have to stay a little bit practical, also. I see. Ex especially when you have kids, you can look good without um, uh, having only this sexy small silhouette. Sure. So, so it's Alexander Wayne, uh, Valence. How do you say Valence? Valenciaga. Valenciaga. And who's the third one? Oh yeah, it's hard to pick though. It's. There are so many great brands, so I think... Um, if I have to put a gun to your head... Yeah, then I will choose Acne. Who? Acne. Acne is Swedish. Oh. Yeah, it's really nice. They make great jackets. They're very... They make nice silhouettes. I see. Yeah. And um, it's all about being practical, staying warm. Mm -hmm. But it's... And it's very... Um, masculine as well is that right yeah yeah it oh. is um but still feminine it's what do you call it androgy uh androgyny yeah. i can't even say it either <laughs> in uh, danish it's it just kind of like you can't tell it's a man or woman yeah 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 but of course you can there are mm -hmm. a different um different sides of the male collection and the female but mm -hmm. it's very powerful i think mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's do another breakdown of all these silly questions like, which, which shoes do you like? Uh, who, the shoemakers. The shoemakers, yeah. Well, if I give you $5,000 in uh, coupons in that particular <laughs> store, which, I mean, which brand name? I, I would say Church, Church's Shoes. I see. Because um, they're handmade mm -hmm. and you can wear them forever. Um, they will probably last you 10 years or so also because the <coughs> the company will take them back and um, and uh, repair for yeah, you yeah and repair them for you do other shoes companies do that i have never heard of it ah yeah so i think that's a great service you pay a lot of money for your shoe but it will last it's interesting that, you know i i, I know I don't know a lot about you, but the, even the fashion tastes say a lot of someone's personality. And you know, if I didn't, look, I never met you and just only heard you talk. Mm -hmm. It seemed like you're definitely a more. I mean, you you are Scandinavian. Whether yeah. the white Scandinavian, because even those tastes like the uh, minimal minimalism and then more pragmatic, 
uh, practical use for their shoes and reliability and things like that. I'm, I'm a dumb guy. If I had a girlfriend, I'd probably go to like Victoria's Secret and I didn't even know if they were uh, well-made clothes. I'm just see it so many times in those sexy ads that just assume that must be good. But um, you think if I'm going to buy quality um, uh, underwear and bra for women, maybe Victoria's Secret is not the first choice? No, I, I definitely don't think so. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I really like to go to the shops because they're, uh, they're beautiful, mm -hmm. um, but there are so many people in them also. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, yeah, it's just a really nice shop, but I would definitely go to European stores. I see. Yeah. What, what's the big difference between the American and uh, European shops? Well, I guess it's just kind of the design Mm -hmm. uh, European lingerie is just more delicate, I think. And I see. But it will last a lot of years also if you just buy the right quality. Do you think Victoria's Secret stuff is overly sexually aggressive? Not all of the stuff, actually. When you go to the store, mm -hmm. when I first went to the store, I was a little bit disappointed because um, a lot of it is just the same it's just some padded bras yeah there are n n not much details on them mm -hmm. and all the underwear that has details there it's like too much it's like it's for a toddler or something with all the colors and sure and it's has a lot of words on them and that's kind of weird to me well it was created by a guy in san francisco area if i remember right and it was specifically for men who are uncomfortable going to show shops to oh. shop, so uh, I, I I also told you I, I read that salespeople Victoria's Secret loves male customer because they want to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So they will put them <laughs> as the most expensive things, and uh, salespeople will, uh, you know, clever try to get that male customer. Whereas women, they're buying it. They know exactly what they want. They want a quality, and they're gonna wear it. So they ask a lot more questions and uh, trying to look for a, pr a good price for them too. But mm -hmm. it's a different strategy. I think that um, I I can't help as a man like uh, dazzled by the ads with those women because it's just of they're course. just you know <laughs> I mean you, I'd be lying to you, but I could never possibly tell you their bras. I mean it's not like a men gonna go to these. In states, we have a thing called Consumer Report. We're going to compare all the different bra from different store and see which one is best. I mean, mm. we're not going to do it. I mean, I sound already weird as a heterosexual guy <laughs> asking <laughs> fashion question, but it's really fascinating because I, I I want to learn more. So so when you look at women, like you you could kind of get like their personality and what's going on with their life. You know, like street people. You know. Uh, they're street people and their hair is all fucked up. Most women do not want their hair messed up at all. It's very, very important, you know. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you were telling me if you ha if you go make only one choice between getting hair done or facial makeup and stuff, you think for most women, hair is priority over yeah, that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Because you see the hair more. Um, really? Yeah. Is that why? Yeah, it's just uh, there's a lot of identity in the hair. Huh. Yeah. Man, I, I really need to find a website with different kind of hairs and have you look at it and you tell me what's going on with that hair, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I also told you when I went to Aspen Comedy Festival like seven, eight years ago, Vince Vaughn, Dave Chappelle, and uh, Jennifer Aniston was there. And they came to see my friend Russell Peters. And I got to say, I only saw Jennifer Aniston one time, but her hair was 
perfect silky hair. Yeah, it's beautiful. And she was shy, so she would say she said bye, but she her he- head was tilted down, so her perfectly silky hair was covering her face, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I have to say, like even I thought, like wow, her hair looks perfect, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm sure it's not cheap to have that hair that perfectly, but um, yeah, I guess. I think men, I think we will have a better relationship if we pay attention more of that. And the more we do it, I hope women will do the same courtesy by knowing more about sports, you know. <laughs> um, a couple more questions. Uh, so the shoes, uh, what, what about like which cosmetic companies do you like for women? Um, well, that's a tough one, I because, guess. Uh, because I, I suppose, I guess it's tough because if you're an uh, older woman, young girls, uh, women in 20s and 30s, they all have a different, some cosmetic, do some cosmetic do well in certain age group? I'm, I'm not sh- entirely sure, but I know that MAC Cosmetics, they're... Um, I've never heard of any of these companies. What's, yeah. it, what's it called? MAC. MAC. Yeah. It's Swedish or it's, uh, European? I think it's Canadian, <coughs> actually. Canadian? Yeah. And, but it's very big also in the United States. Uh, a lot of the big malls have mm-hmm. a MAC shop. And um, but why do you like them over other ones? Because, because I'm, I'm so bombarded by Shiseido and all these other uh, you know companies yeah. and because they have real makeup artists uh, to help you in the store, so they will show you everything and they have um, all the equipment to show you and teach you also. Ah. Um, but also, it's not that expensive. I it's, see. It's not cheap, but it's not um, the same price scale as Chanel, for example. But I really like Chanel. Chanel sounds though. expensive. Yeah, everything is expensive with Chanel. But it, but also, but I guess I, I love the, um, the, what's it called? The cases for the makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, the, then Chanel is my favorite. But I really like the quality of mm-hmm. Mac also, and it's you can pay for it also, mm-hmm. and they have all these brushes sure. that, that are also affordable. So I guess I would say Chanel and Mac, but uh, yeah, and I think uh, brands like Christian Dior and Yves Saint Laurent, um, they uh, they may be more for more mature women. Sure, their, their design looks very mature. Like Ch- Ch- Chanel Five perfume, yeah. that's thing to be for older women, correct? Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't use Chanel perfumes. I yeah. think they're very heavy. And, and believe me, if any of my uh, comedian friends heard me say exactly <laughs> number five and tell you yeah, that, yeah. they think it's bizarre. But um, um, yeah, I, 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 um, one comment of Coco Chanel, I, 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 I think that design, that she, she's such a fascinating person, yeah. you know, to, for her to have that business in male-dominated society, period, mm-hmm. uh, to make that, uh, you know, just a conglomerate. And, uh, but I like that, that, that almost like a military like clothes that she made where the amulets you know the shoulder padding things that she did and I, I thought as a kid like wow that's just uh i just thought this person had an eye for um clothes you know yeah, and, and she uh, made pants for women also uh, yeah. and i think chanel is also the one kind of made it famous maybe i'm wrong live in southern france get tan like that's like a cool thing to do because prior to that i think um only a com- uh, person working in a farm would get dark or something. But yeah. she did all kinds of different things for that business and changed the business of fashion, you know. Um, 
So cosmetic, okay. Um, mm-hmm. How about um, handbags? Who do you like? Well, I oh, I think you might have mentioned it. Yeah, but I love Balenciaga, but I also really love Burberry. Um, ah, yeah, and very popular among Japanese people, Asians. Yeah, <laughs> um, because their stuff will last forever, mm-hmm. also, and and Gucci is also really nice. Yeah, yeah, but there are, there are a lot of great brands for for bags. I think a lot. Um, how, how about um, how about when it comes to something like um, uh, wedding outfit? Who do you like? I mean, I, you know, everybody. I just think Vera Wayne, but I don't know any other ones. Well, Alexander McQueen, obviously the royal yeah. family. And man, um, I, I really love the dress John Galliano made for Kate Moss. It's ah. beautiful. But I, I guess I'm not very much. We in- forgive you, John Galliano. Yeah. <laughs> I like that guy. I just think yeah. when we were drunk and having problems, depressed, we say stupid shit. You know? Yeah. I think he's talented. Yeah. Um, he was just not lucky that somebody heard it. Or, yeah. 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 He was just, I don't think he meant what he meant, but um, people want to jump on you when you say something dumb. For those of you, he said a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff, but um, yeah. I think he's very talented. And um, um, yeah, that clothes, once again, it sounds very gay, but I saw Kate Moss, mm-hmm. big fan of hers, and she looked beautiful. Yeah. And, um, and another thing about Kate Moss, when she got caught snorting coke or whatever, it's her business. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that people came back and supported her because I think I could separate the two. She could use drugs. She could still be a good mother, you know. So mm-hmm. um, I'm glad she's doing a good too. And uh, so, so you like uh, uh, John Galliano? Uh, yeah, but I haven't paid much attention attention to his work because um, <clears throat> up here in Denmark, there not a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a store and. I haven't seen his stuff for ages in Denmark, so sure. it's only when I go to other countries that I see it. So I haven't actually bought anything, Galliano. What about jackets and hats? Who, who do, you, do you have anyone specifically do you like? Mm, mm, jackets that um, I mentioned Acne before. Okay. Yeah, I I really like those jackets, and also Burberry. I have a couple of those, and mm-hmm. they will last a lifetime i think i see yeah and uh, but hats um there's a danish brand called woodwood they made another one i never heard before i gotta yeah. i gotta uh, you know i'm glad i talked with you because it just show how little i know but yeah why do you like them so much um well i guess a lot of uh, there are actually three brands that um danish brands that i think they use the same mm-hmm. person to make their hats i i can't remember the name of the company but they use the same one and uh, they're handmade mm-hmm. so i think it's just nice when people pay attention to the quality and and uh, and make a, a hat that you can use a long time of course it will cost you but then you might only buy one hat a year or something um, instead of 10 at h&m a uh, couple more questions. We're finished. Well, okay, uh, Mark Jacob. What do you think about him? Oh, I love Mark Jacobs. Yeah, yeah he seems like a nice guy too. Yeah, yeah, he he seems fun, and he has his background. Uh, I yeah, I think if I could interview him, I could talk forever with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seemed to do really well with like stuff with cashmere, like the sweaters and stuff like that. Um, I don't know much about that, but he, he maybe I'm wrong. That that was my impression when I saw him. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, but he's really good at shoes and handbags, and he has these different brands. Um, so he makes it af- affordable. He has Marc Jacobs, mm-hmm. and then he had Marc 
by Mike Jacobs, mm-hmm. and then he has Jacobs by Mike Jacobs, and he has the kids line also. He's not that old, right? Like in 30s or something. I'm not sure. Maybe he's 40. Okay. No, I'm not sure. But he's been around for a long time. Very successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Long career already. Yeah. What about Tom Ford? Do you like Tom Ford stuff? Yeah, but he's... I I like Gucci better now mm-hmm. than before. When, when he, he was, was running it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Why is that? I guess it's because uh, I, I almost just... Uh, said that because uh, it's a woman now, mm-hmm. but it's, it's actually just because um, because there are a lot of men who makes nice clothes for women. But I think uh, what does that mean? Because he's gay. You mean no, uh, no. Because he makes his his uh, clothing are so slim and so sexy all the time. Uh, but but I like that the um, the new head designer Frida Gian, Gianni. I think she's mm-hmm. called. She's Italian. That she. Um, it's um, her clothes is still very flattering uh, to the women body. I see. Yeah, and flattering in a sense like they don't make it overly too skinny. Is that yeah, because I see. that doesn't fit every woman. No, um, and of course, I I understand if if some brands only choose to to cater to a certain kind of woman, mm-hmm. but not everybody are comfortable with wearing very slim. Uh, that's not realistic if you're no. going to try to sell a lot of clothes no. yeah. so I guess I, it's too sexy for me but of course I like some of his stuff what about Valentino oh Valentino right now is very hot it's especially uh, the accessories I love it uh, what's his name um, Valentino how about oh, Carl Lagerfeld I, I actually don't um I, of course, I, um, I I see the stuff he he makes at Chanel, but mm-hmm. his other brands, uh, his own brand, I, I really don't know because mm-hmm. I don't think they sell it here. So I love I I, I saw a documentary of Valentino called Lagerfeld and September issue about Vogue and Anna Wintour and all the people work on it. Man, I can't stop watching those. They're just so mm-hmm. fun. I even watched one with the hundred year anniversary of Vogue, and uh, it's fantastic. And um, if you don't know, um, I would say the most powerful person in fashion is Anna Wintour because she is the chief editor for Vogue, and uh, boy, does she have a considerable weight. Yeah. You know, if she's a king and queen maker, if she says she likes someone's work, boy, that person's stock's gonna go up. Yeah. And if she doesn't like or ignore you and you're in fashion business, ooh, yeah, it's gonna be pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a rough time for you. Um, <laughs> in fact. Um, uh, Devil Wear Prada was basically the main character was based on uh, uh, Anna Wintour. Mm. And, uh, but yeah, if you never had a chance to watch September issue, that was a fantastic documentary. You enjoy a lot. Um, I guess uh, two things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if if I want to, <laughs> what which three brands you think I should buy to just clean up? You know, to to dress up and like if I if I have to wear uh, let's say I need a set of clothes for uh, if I work for like <laughs> never gonna happen but let's say if, if I work like investment banking like Unar what brand name do you recommend and another one for like uh, if I'm going to very important entertainment meeting like Oscar or something which I don't know if I ever get invited to something like that what kind of clothes would you recommend and the third one is just casual wear. So let's start with like a, some business wear clothes. Who do you recommend for me? Well, 
That's kind of hard because I'm not very much into <coughs> men's clothing. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say that... You think I'll be safe with Armani because I am yeah, biased? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, because um, you could wear anything, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I just love George Armani. And we're, we're almost done with our... Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, just like I don't know. I just like I don't know anything about it. But every time I see it, and um, when I used to see Los Angeles Lakers coach Pat Riley wear Armani, man, I just thought George Armani equals success, you know? Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's it's very powerful. So yeah. if I if I want to go like Oscar or uh, Amy, this big social Hollywood gathering in an outfit, what what do you think it would be best for me to wear? Then you money if the money wasn't money wasn't the issue. Yeah, then you should probably just stick with Giorgio Armani. It Is that right? Yeah, it would work both places. Yeah. Um, do you like Yoji uh, Yamamoto? Yeah, I do. Yeah, but he's a it's a little bit more eccentric. So. What, what, why? Is all because it's always black or? Uh, no, it's um he has these uh, um he's a little bit uh. He likes a little funny detail. Um, uh, it can be a little avant-garde at I times, see. but it's very nice, I think. And if if you just have the confidence to mm -hmm. wear it, then it's not a problem at all. It's not too weird or something. Jean-Paul Gaultier, is he considered more like avant-garde? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. And I don't know why I like it, but just, it's almost like a circus act when I yeah. see his uh, fashion show. Mm. Yeah, I really like him a lot. Okay, then uh, finally, like if I want to get some like a casual wear, what, what do you think will work for me? Because I don't think Armani is casual to me. No, no, not at all. I think, yeah, it's difficult also. But I, I really like classic brands like Ralph Lauren and oh, Tommy yes. figure. Yeah, it will, it can, you can always look nice in the in whatever they make the the rugby shirts. Uh, 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 that's a fo of course very casual, but but also their knits. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Ralph Lauren, I, I don't know a lot about him, but when you look at him, and this is um, same thing like Oscar de la Renta, seem like they just seem like a nice, sweet guys. Mm. And uh, Ralph Lauren is seem like classic, clean Americana. You know, yeah. you see like all this <laughs> happy white people in Denver yeah. riding horses <laughs> in like really clean clothes. You know, it's not in your face flamboyant. It's a well-made clothes that they seem like. If you're wearing that kind of clothes, most likely you have a, your whole life in act, and you have a pretty good family life and job and things like that. That's what Ralph Lauren always struck me. Yeah. And uh, I think one of his son married one of the Bush's niece. Uh, oh. She's a she's a model, something Bush. I can't remember. She's a beautiful girl, but um, yeah, she married one of the Ralph Lauren. And uh, um, well done, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, uh, Ralph Lauren is very popular in Sweden. If you is that go, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, if you go to Malmö uh, and in the nicest shops, um, the salespeople will always look like a Ralph Lauren commercial. I see. Yeah, very preppy, very, very yeah. nice and clean. It looks good. I, I, I guess I like fashion in uh, almost like abstract idea. I mean, I think growing up in Japan, where even the food is presented in a, such a beautiful, cosmetic, uh, aesthetic ways. I just think, yeah, maybe we could use some of the money to help poor people, but there's times it's okay to spend money on yeah. something beautiful. And like when they're well-made and there's thought behind it, I have to say, I like George Armani and all the people you mentioned, but boy, Alexander McQueen to me is always going to be number one. Yeah. I just think, I don't even care if, if something that I could buy from him and wear it. I just, 
he seemed to love women and women look great in his stuff. I think most people cannot afford his, yeah. his clothes. And this young, uh, who's, uh, who took over uh, Alexander McQueen? She, he, she just designed. Sarah Burton. Yeah. Boy, she is talented. And yeah. uh, I rather, of course, we all want Alexander to be alive. But if there's a person who uh, did a wonderful, amazing job following his footstep with uh, inspired by his work, She's done an extremely well uh, job, and I didn't even care about the role. Uh, I think I paid more attention to the clothes when she was walking to get it. Mary Prin uh, Prince Harry, and mm. uh, no, wait, wait, am I getting the name right? Prince William. William, yeah. I apologize. And um, but that dress was beautiful. Yeah. Oh my good lord! Uh, that, I'm sure it's in a museum by now. So yeah. Well, Monica, I I have to figure out a way where we could do maybe once a month or something like mm -hmm. uh, 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 be fun. Uh, you know, maybe Skype and I just maybe too lazy to figure out. But I need to figure out and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read up on stuff and I have a lot of questions. I'll send the information to you and then we could talk about it because um, um, it's really fun to hear you talk about these things. And I hope you keep um, continuing working the blog and uh, when you come to the States. I uh, can't wait till you meet all my friends. And finally, before we go, um, we have a mutual friend, yeah. Sam Hosseini, one of the most fascinating, important person uh, for the whole world. He runs every media company in uh, um, Afghanistan, and uh, he was uh, Time Magazine released that article every year. Time's 100 most influential people, and Saul was one of the 100 two or three years ago. And uh, pure coincidence, you happen yeah. to know him. And I don't. Uh, let's finish it by saying that part. Uh, how did you meet Saul? Because um, he's not known for a fashion business. No, it was not fashion. It was um, during my studies for religion. I really wanted to to see what happened uh, with TV um, in Afghanistan after mm. Taliban because during Tarib Taliban nobody was allowed to see TV there was uh, I think only a radio station and it was only religious mm -hmm. but sad he was the first one to open um, a TV uh, channel right where he had a song programs uh, because in Afghanistan during Taliban you could not Afghan Idol and yeah. his companies go Tolo Media and, yeah uh, 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 yeah yeah, yeah. he he really gave people back something they really needed uh, some entertainment and and the opportunity to forget for a minute uh, the situation and just enjoy themselves in, in fact um, the first year of Af Afghan Idol, one of the girl had a scarf or something where it fell out from her, and that, I, I don't know, maybe exposed a neck or maybe it was ankle. I don't know. It was something minor compared yeah. to what it is in states. And Taliban, all the mullahs said, kill her, you know. And seven, eight years later, people are dancing with uh, less clothes, and uh, it just showed even in places like Afghanistan, you can't change. And t TV, no matter, even though we get people uh, attack television shows in states. It, it can be used as a force of good and uh, yeah. really change. And one last thing I have to say, uh, that was probably one of the first time people in Afghanistan voting for someone where there was no corruption. They were actually involved democratically electing uh, uh, the the best talent. Yeah. Even though it wasn't political stuff, but it was symbolic thing for people in Afghanistan that uh, yeah, they were able to do it. So yeah, I, I'm sorry, a remarkable, remarkable person. And, uh, yeah, and very courageous as well because if I was him, then I would um, be so scared to do all these things. Mm -hmm. But he's just doing it, not thinking very much about his own safety. 
So uh, hopefully next time I have a lot of fashion question for you, and maybe we could spend figure out what's the how much religion have an influence on how, what you can wear and what you can wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be kind of kind of interesting, and uh, sure. yeah, we'll do more. But Monica, do you, well, can you slowly tell everyone your website uh, address again? And if you have a Facebook or Twitter kind of information, give it to them so they could follow you. Yeah, sure. It's um, kukuk.me so kukuk is spelled k-u-k k-u-k and then dot me i might change change it but i will let you know so but it's the same also on the web uh, facebook page yeah and then the next time when we do a skype interview or something if you change and uh if if, hopefully it's easier for americans to remember yeah that's why i want to change it really because it's not very international so uh hopefully uh we'll do that but yeah thanks i'm looking forward to doing this because um it's really fun and talking to you and uh, you you educate me on those things because i just don't know why sometimes people do what they do in fashion i'm clueless all right well i want to thank monica and i want to thank um uh, Unar for doing the podcast and uh, hopefully you guys will hear more of them uh, next time and uh, looking forward to doing the fashion one with Monica thanks Monica You're welcome thank bye you. bye, bye.